You're listening to the Tour Station Western League podcast with Ian Knockholz and Tom Hiscott. Welcome to episode 30 of the Tool Station Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I am delighted to welcome onto the line, it is the editor of the Western League Bulletin, Mr Tom Hiscott. Hello, Tom, how are you? Yeah, always a pleasure to speak to you. See, I'm doing well, and yourself? Very good, very good. I had a weekend in the beautiful waterfront city of Portsmouth, oh, yeah. um, yes. which always, way. you know, which always helps. We've had, well, what a weekend we've had of... Mm. Um, Tool Station Western League football, which of course we will be talking about at length in this week's episode. But I am very pleased to announce to the listeners that we've got an interview with our league chairman, John Paul. Obviously, there have been many questions that uh, people have been raising about obviously what's happened about the proposed merger between the Western League and the Southwest Peninsula League. And those were the questions that I was able to put to John in our interview. And that's what's going to kick off our podcast today. But I'm equally pleased to tell you that, of course, outside of the politics and the administration of uh, football at our level, we will be talking about mud on boots. And we've got uh, two, two no less, new people to talk to on the podcast. Dean Cardew, the manager of Torpoint Athletic, um, joined us for the first time, which was fantastic. And also Lee Linton, the assistant manager at Oldland Abertonians. And listeners, for those of you who enjoy your, you know, Premier Division football, and don't we all? Actually, for those of us who enjoy our first division football. Lee Linton's interview is one of the most engaging that I've ever done on uh, on the podcast, and I would thoroughly recommend you listen to it. A really, really interesting and thoughtful individual, by far and away more than just for Oldland Abertonian fans. Right then, I've, I've done enough of my hype on that, and we will turn to matters of the league and of the administration of the league And, of course, we have been talking at length over the last month about the the creation of the Western Peninsula League, as it was going to be known. And, of course, we've done many we've done two interviews with um, John Paul, the chairman of our league, and, of course, Phil Hiscox, the secretary of the Southwest Peninsula League. Well, this time it was a return to the previous order. John, of course, who's been with us on many occasions over the last few years, talking about issues to do with the restructuring, issues to do with COVID, of course, when that was one of the prevalent um, challenges that we faced. So it was interesting to get a chance to speak to John again, to reflect upon what has gone on. And as much as it will be interesting, and we do reflect in the interview on what has happened over the last month, I started by asking John what the competition in the Western League will look like next season. Will we be running along the same lines as we are this season? That's exactly how we're viewing it at this point in time, is that we see this now, certainly on the evidence that's been provided, that they consider that next season will be conducted under the same terms and conditions, rules and regulations as any other season. So at the end of this season, promotion, relegation will operate in the same way um, as per normal with one automatic going from five to four and then the second place. And this might be important as well to just remember that the second place normally would dictate the second club 
play in the third from bottom, what actually happens if you recall Exmouth got promoted last year without going into a playoff? The reason for that is because all the 16 clubs will go into a pool and they will decide, they being the FA, will decide then who plays who on a geographical basis. In the case of Exmouth, obviously there was nobody for them to play, so they got automatic promotion. So it's worth bearing in mind that, that it doesn't always follow that you will actually participate. And there will be clubs relegated from five back to six. When you come to Div 1, there will be the one automatic, and then the playoffs will operate um, from two down to five. The dates have been scheduled for that for the 25 and 26. So two plays five, three plays four. And the final is set for April the 29th. That's how we are looking at it going forward. If we look at the issue of relegation in the Premier Division, does the resignation of Bitten mean that, that one of the two places we would expect to lose? That from... becomes a relegation club, relegated club. Once you lose a club, they become a relegated club. So in the case of Bitten, they would have been one of the two. So that means that potentially the team in 19th will be the... It won't be the teams in 19th and 18th. We're thinking it will be the yeah. team in 19th. Yeah. Right, OK. Yeah. Yeah. And what about relegation from the from our um, first division? Because, of course, we've got 22 teams in there as it is, and, and the FA say that potentially three could be liable for relegation. That is the case. So, therefore, it depends on the applicants, and our view would be there are sufficient applicants out there as we speak that, you know, if they finish in promotion positions, then certainly we we would expect to see new clubs joining us and potentially clubs going out. That is as it is at the moment. And we won't know about any of these decisions, including any decisions related to lateral movement until the, 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 the new no. constitutions are no, issued. That, that is that is one thing that we we have we've tried recently to try to get a feel for what considerations are they given to lateral movement and they never ever would you know, they would give you no indication at all, understandably to a certain degree, because like you say, clubs start dropping out, you know, um, voluntary relegation, all manner of different scenarios can can hinge on how they would consider lateral movement to be implemented. So, well, I mean, when, when you go back to the new league evolving, there was, there was a lot of movement that took place. And I would suggest now that, Certainly there would have been clubs had the amalgamation gone ahead and it, and there was a new structure. It would have been looking you know, to apply for lateral movement to come back into the league. Those particular clubs now may well be considering whether they want to see it through or they don't. And that, that is the problem is, is, you know, however hard we push now to try to get the you know, next season, you know, sorted out, if you like. Uh, and the proposals that were put forward certainly would have allowed that to happen if the FA would have been prepared to take it on, but they weren't. Really, we need to sort of address um, the challenges that have been going on or the events that have been going on over the last month. I mean, the last couple of times I've had you on the podcast, obviously you've been joined by Phil Hiscox and things were going, things were progressing um, very positively. So are you surprised at how quickly events have unraveled and we've come to the point where now this merger has collapsed? Yes, to be honest, um, maybe it all went too, you know, too well. Early doors, really. But, I mean, I think that it's fair to say that up until the last steering group meeting, everything was very much falling into place. 
I think I think we knew what direction we were were aiming for. There's always going to be issues in and around the way that that administration was implemented, but I think it's a, it's a crying shame to see it fall down um, to the extent that it has. Really, because there was just no agreement, even with compromises. Um, we just couldn't reach an agreement whereby it was acceptable to both parties. When you look back on what's happened, do you think things could have been done differently? I think you can always look back and think to yourself that maybe these issues should have surfaced early, earlier on in, in negotiations to get as far as we did and then almost fall at the last hurdle would probably indicate that, yeah, perhaps we should have looked into it. But, I mean, I don't. I don't, I don't think it was a fault of anybody. I think it was just assumed that everything would, you know, would all run in, fall into place pretty much as it, as it has done. Yeah, I mean, so it's wonderful, isn't it? It's... I mean, you personally have been singled out for criticism in all of this. How, how do you respond to that? Well, it goes with the territory, to be quite honest. I mean, I don't, I think some of it's unfair. Um, I mean, there was a steering group that, you know, we met monthly, um, yeah, the progress that had been made had all been agreed. You know, I, th- I think it's, it's it's almost become something that you know you have to accept now. With everybody got an opinion, I think you know what what is upsetting is is the fact that you can drag this down as far as you want to. Really, I mean, social media is always going to be an issue nowadays, and I think what what gets to you a little bit is is the fact that people that form an opinion actually don't always have the facts to go with it and i think if parties start putting stuff out in social media and putting certain slants on it then that becomes the truth doesn't it unless you want to actually get in there start defending it and then you're just dragging the whole thing down into the said i said situation so yeah when when allegations are made about promises and all the rest of it you just think yeah really um, if we look ahead, obviously we've got clubs that are going to be concerned about the financial impact of travel. There's going to be clubs that are obviously conscious of the impact it has on their availability of playing staff and also volunteers on a match day. Um, these are the challenges that it looks like we're facing next season. What are the Western League doing about addressing those challenges? Well, the questionnaire has gone out there really, um, as you're aware, um, <clears throat> What we're trying to do is get a feedback now, um, in the first instance, to just see exactly what the thoughts of the clubs are. It is about having open meetings, which I'm sure we're going to have to going to have to do that um, sooner, probably rather than later. But at the moment, I think what we want to do is try and get feedback from the clubs. What we're hoping is that there, that there will be enough comment in there to be able to take back to the FA to try to speed this process up and, and emphasise the urgency of getting this resolved. Um, I acknowledge the comments that were in, you know, um, in the non-league paper about getting it right. Um, I think that is important to get it right. Um but as regards to the issues that we've got with the clubs and travel, we would do as much as we possibly can as a league. Yeah, I, I think that all we can do is, is just quite accept the fact that we need to try to make this work in the best way possible for the clubs because it is about the clubs. And I mean, the whole exercise, you know, was about the clubs from day one. Um, and that won't change. 
And my thanks, as always, to John for his time. And also, we will be getting, I'm sure, an update on how the consultation that the league has is currently going through with its clubs, uh, uh, what the results of that will be. But we will turn our attention, Tom, to the football. That would be nice, wouldn't it? That was played on Saturday, the 25th of February. And we'll be kicking things off in Barnstable, where Barnstable Town enjoyed a very, very healthy win over Canesham Town. Absolutely did, yeah. 4-0 win uh, for Barnstable. They were the only home side in the Premier Division to win on Saturday afternoon, so I thought that was uh, that was worth uh, worth mentioning. So obviously, uh, well, proving not to be an easy thing to do, seemingly, on Saturday. But yeah, 4-0 win for for, for Barham over the over the bottom side. Uh, yeah, pretty 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 um, elementary. Uh, they did actually play out a 5-4 uh, thriller against the same opposition earlier this season, so this one was a little bit easier. Uh, and it was uh, Nathan Colley scoring twice for the home side, and there was also goals from Tor Swan and Reese Thomas. So uh, they're up into fourth. So yeah, going going great guns. I think we're going to touch on the league tables later. But Barnes for one of those teams that are having a a real good spell, and that's uh, helping them rise up the division. Absolutely. And talking about teams that rise up the division, two sides that have been doing well all season, Buckland Athletic against Mausel. Now, I really enjoyed my visit to Buckland Athletic earlier in the season. It's a wonderful place to be a guest, but it's not a great place to be an opponent, unless you're Mausel, because what a great day they had at Buckland, Tom. Yeah, this was... I think it's probably the most impressive result of the weekend in terms of, you know, opponent taking out all that into a, into consideration. As you say, not an easy place to go by any means down to home as Heath. And to come away with a 4-1 win, uh, yeah, this was a uh, definitely a laying down of a, of a marker, I would say, by Miles All if that hadn't been done already. But, yeah, uh, the, t- the sides, yeah, met already uh, twice this season uh, with a win apiece. This was uh, the decider in... In, uh, in one way, but it was, yeah, as I say, Mausel uh, coming from behind to, to win this one. Uh, Ryan Bush putting uh, Buckland ahead midway through the first half, uh, but then the corner side managing to get back on level turn not long after uh, through Hayden Turner. Uh, so his free kick was uh, uh, managed to find its way into the back of the net, going under the wall. So, uh, yeah, that was one apiece. Uh, and then it was, yeah, the second half seemed to be all a little bit one-way traffic uh, from the moment Mark Goldsworthy scored uh, within three minutes of the restart, put Mausel 2-1 up, given the their first uh, lead of the afternoon. Uh, and then it was a couple more goals uh, from Turner and then Reese Thompson uh, making it 4-1 later on. So Turner scoring twice. Uh, he's having a, a, an absolute stellar season and Mausel a really big uh, come from behind win at Buckland by four goals to one. Now for our next game, we go to Ilfracombe. Now Ilfracombe, of course, had um, have been on a good run of form, as we know recently. But they um, they came up against stiff opposition in the form of Tall Point Athletic. Yeah, they did. Uh, Tall Point, yeah, responding really well to a pretty uh, pretty um, heavy midweek uh, defeat in the cup. But yeah, two 0 win for them on Saturday afternoon at Ilfracombe. Pretty pretty decent decent going, I'd say. And it was Lewis Pacey opening the scoring after about a quarter of an hour, uh, putting putting Tall Point ahead. And then it was Ryan Richards uh, doubling their advantage in the 32nd minute. I think he just beat the offside trap. I think there was a few few question marks from the home side, but yeah, he managed to to steal him behind and uh, pop the ball home and uh, gave Tall Point a two 0 win. Now, of course, that being Torpoint's first away win of the season flagged up the fact that we would really appreciate having a chat with their manager. Their manager is Dean Cardew. We have had Torpoint on the podcast this season, but we haven't had an opportunity to talk to Dean. It was a fantastic conversation. Really, really enjoyed it. And I started by congratulating him on that win at the weekend. And we reflected on the fact that that was the perfect way to bounce back from that disappointing result at Buckland. 
yeah, it was it was a good way to bounce back. It was our first away win of the season, actually. So um, it was a, it was quite a sweet one, to be honest. <laughs> was that a surprise to you? Did were you surprised that it took you this long to start um, to pick up that first win on the road? I don't know if it was a surprise. I mean, we've. We didn't know what to expect, obviously, going into the season. We've heard the teams, the other corner side that have that got promoted before us, have all talked about what difficulties it would be and how how much um, it is a lot more difficult to pick up points, which is it's natural, isn't it? You're playing a higher level. Um, so I hadn't really, I hadn't really thought about when we would pick up our first win, away win. Um, so, but I mean, when when you sort of like get further and deeper into the season, and you think, God, we still haven't won away from home yet because we haven't played badly in a lot of games. Yeah. Um, we just, yeah, we've just not really. We we've played well, just found a way of losing, um, for a better term. But yeah, so I don't know. Like the deeper into the season we went, it got it was a bit of a monkey on our backs, thinking, God, we still haven't won away from home in the league yet. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I wouldn't say it was a surprise, but it's just nice to actually finally get that win. You know, because in contrast, your home form has been very good, hasn't it? And I mean, I wonder whether on your day you feel that your side are capable of giving anybody a game in the Premier Division. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to think so. I mean, I think that's anything in football. I think most most managers will tell you that on their day that they could give anybody a game and we are we, we take pride in that we're we're good at home certainly um, there's been still been some games this season we've been really disappointed with our performances at home um, but even away from home we haven't played badly in a lot of games we've just been punished for either not taking our own chances and, and giving away sloppy goals so yeah we've we, we've had games where we've been properly beaten but we've we've also had games where we've come away thinking we think we deserved a bit more today because at the moment you're 14th in the premier division table i mean how much higher up the table are you hoping to finish this season um i don't know to be honest i hadn't i know this is this is a cop-out i hadn't really targeted a, a, a position um and what we've done what i've recently done with the players is we we can't control what the other teams are going to do between now and the end of the season i've I've sort of like said to the lads, let's not worry about what position we finish. Let's see if we can hit a certain amount of points because um, we we can control how many points we can get in our games. Um, so I sort of like drew up a list when well after, just before the Ilfracombe game actually. I said we've got 11 games left. Can we sort of like pick up 16 points between now and the end of the season in those 11 games, and can we hit 40 points? Wherever that leaves us in the table, I don't know, but I think particularly after the difficult start we've had, I think 40 points would be respectable for our first season in the league. So, yeah, so I'm not looking at positions. I'm just looking, can we hit a 40-point market, really? Well, let's talk about what you've experienced in the league, because obviously, as you said, this is the first time, you know, this is your first season in the league. I mean, mm. have you been surprised by the step-up in competition, or is it something that you were expecting? Um, we were expecting it. We were expecting it. Um, we knew, even though we had a very successful season last season, we knew we had to strengthen still to, to sort of like hold our own in this league. Um, we did. We sort of like did the opposite, if you like, with losing a couple of key players. Um, so we we knew it was going to be tough, but we still we still thought we should be able to have some good days and everything. But so early on, it was. What I found, like I said earlier, was we we were getting punished. We were we would get 
chances. We would miss our own chances and then go up the other end and concede straight after missing a good chance. And you'd be thinking, we've done well for half an hour. How are we 1-0 down? Um, and and we were when we were going behind in games, teams just knew how to see it out. They knew they knew how to manage games and we would find it very difficult to sort of like get back into it. So, yeah, it's not surprised us. We knew we were going to be up against it this season. We knew it was going to be a learning curve this season. We just, the key for me is how much have we learned? Um, and that's why I've sort of like the last 11 games, how much have we learned from this first part? And how much can we take into the last 11 games and try and pick up points where earlier on in the season we wouldn't get any? So we'll see. <laughs> the, next, the next 10 games now will, will tell us. So in the last couple of weeks, obviously everyone's been very conscious of the collapse of the merger between the Western League and the South West Peninsula League. Yeah. Um, where does that leave your club? Where does that leave Tall Point? It, le- it leaves us in the same position we were this season. I mean, the, the club made it very clear to me a couple of seasons ago that they wanted to play in the Western League. Um, so we knew. We knew what the Western League was like. Um, we knew the travelling that there was going to be. We knew that there was going to be a lot harder games, the top top sides that you're playing against. And but that's what we wanted. So if the merger doesn't happen, the merger doesn't happen as far as I'm concerned. Um, like I said, we we got promoted last season as champions. We were proud to, to get promoted into the Western League. And we've, we've really enjoyed testing ourselves against some really, really good sides. And like I said, I'd like to see how much we've learnt this season um, going into next season. So, yeah, if, if the merger doesn't happen, for, as far as I'm concerned, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. If, if you want to progress in football, you've got to be prepared to, to travel and, and take everything that comes with it. Well, let's talk about the next game that's um, yeah. up. It's Buckland away, and I guess you're yeah. hoping for a better result than the one that you got in the Les Phillips Cup. Yeah, I am. I'm certainly hoping for a better second half <laughs> um, because we we were one all at half time last week, um, and then we just came out and they stepped up a gear. We um, we were feeling the effects from we went to Bridgewater on Saturday before with bare eleven, and they put in a really good shift. And I think they were feeling the effects of that. Um, but Buckland are a top side, um, and they stepped up a gear and, and really really put us to it. And so. Yeah, hoping hoping for a closer game tonight, shall we say. Because then it's a trip to Sherbourne. You know, I mean, obviously, they've, you know, it's their first season back in the Premier Division as well. I mean, they're towards the foot of the table. So I suppose it's a, it's another good opportunity for you to build up on that, um, that positive result that you had at the weekend. Yeah, it is. But equally, I don't, I don't think we can look at it like that because the second we think... We might have a easier game, if you like. I, I don't believe that there is an easy game in this league. Um, the second we drop off, we we won't get anything. We we have to, no matter who we're playing against, we have to be at the top of our game to get something. Um, that's something that we do know and that we've learned very quickly this season. Um, so there's no way in the world we can be going to Sherbourne thinking it's an easier game because the second we think that we'll we'll come unstuck and we won't get anything. Dean, it's been fantastic having you on the podcast. One last question, and it's a question I ask everybody the first time we get to speak to them on the podcast, is can you yep. tell us, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your footballing journey to the Tour Point <laughs> dugout? OK, yeah. Um, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll try and keep it quick. Um, 
I basically I came through when I first started playing men's football. It was for Bodmin, um, and then I quickly I think I went to Millbrook, playing for Millbrook. Um, I sort of like had a little spell at Weybridge, but then finally found my home at Tall Point. Um, played for Tall Point for a couple of years, but then transferred again to Millbrook. Broke my leg playing for Millbrook when I was 20, 21, I think, and I was out of the game for three years. Um, and then when I did finally come back playing, I just stayed at Tall Point. Then, um, like I said, that was that was my home. That was the place I, I wanted to be when I was playing. So, ended up playing for Tall Point for up until I think I went into management at 31 for Tall Point second team. Um, and then I think five five or six years ago, I ended up taking on the first team manager. And my thanks to Dean for his time. Now, the next game we're going to be looking at in the Premier Division is Sherbourne Town against Helston Athletic. And um, Helston were in very, very good form on the road, Tom. Yeah, they were. And it was it was one man in particular, another Tom, in fact. It was Tom Payne, uh, played a starring role this, in this one for, for Helston. Uh, three goals. And, uh, yeah, he had two of them and assisted the other uh, for Jamie Simmons. Uh, his flicked header early in the second half made it 2-0. But yeah, Payne scoring in either half. Uh, in the 41st minute, he put them put them ahead. Uh, and then he actually, yeah, in a piece of individual brilliance uh, on the hour mark made it 3-0. And that was that was how it stayed. But yeah, Tom Payne leading leading Helston to a 3-0 win at Rallygrove against Sherbourne. You could say that Tom was a pain for Sherbourne. Absolutely was on Saturday, yeah. Absolutely. Not, not the first uh, Tom to be a bit of a pain, let's put it that way. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> if you're thinking, Tool Station, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Tool Station. With over 300 branches, there's always a tool station near you. Now, moving on to the first division, and we're going to kick off with Almondsbury. They entertained Radstock Town, Tom. They did, and uh, as we, as, as as listeners will know, Radstock are, are uh, yeah amongst the most uh, informed teams, not just in the first division, but in in the Western League. It feels like at the moment, and uh, yeah, up to up to 15th spot in the in the league following this 2-0 win. Uh, another successful visit uh, to, to Bristol for them. Um, it was, it, yeah, it came the hard way. They did it uh, having conceded a pretty early penalty, but uh, Ashley Knight seeing his spot kick saved by young keeper Dom Law to keep uh, keep up, keep the Almonds at bay, and that that did prove crucial. Uh, Miners, uh, yeah, coming coming back into it, and uh, Jack Pearson Brown putting them ahead 20 minutes from time, and then it was Will Osborne who added a second uh, with with pretty much the final kick of the game. So a two 0 win for Radstock. Um, yeah, and yeah, they they completely they've completely turned their season around, haven't they? It's uh, it's it's great what they're doing, and uh, another away win for them. Keeping up with the theme of this week's podcast, if we can sort of you know give a few newspaper headlines, Tom, what do you think about this one? The Almonds fought the law, and the law won. I'll leave them to you because I'm yeah. <laughs> oh, that one might be a little bit dated, but I'm sure. Listeners of a certain age will appreciate the reference. <laughs> anyway, never mind. Let's move on to Bristol Telephones. My God, Hallen, as we know, we love a bit of Stu Jones on this podcast. Hallen are a good side. Hallen are a side that's looking to get back to where they once belonged. They're looking to get back to step five. My God, they got taught a lesson on Saturday, Tom. 
Yeah, I mean, this was. Um, I think I gave uh, gave Mal's all sort of result and performance of the day, but in terms of sort of eye-opening result, I've, this probably <laughs> takes the biscuit. The phones winning by six goals to nil uh, against Hall, and I think this must be their, their biggest uh, biggest win of the season to date. And they were three goals up within the opening 15 minutes, so they really stormed out the blocks. And uh, yeah, it was pretty much over over from them. Uh, Lee Pittman and Ruben Gab each each getting on the score sheet. And there's also doubles from Sam Thomas and Dan Sutton. So uh, yeah, massive massive win for the phones at home to Hall and, and yeah, I must I say Thomas and Sutton both scoring twice very much a theme in the first one. I think there was four occasions with with teams uh, teams winning and and two of their players each scoring doubles. It was uh, yeah interesting it's interesting stuff on after, on Saturday afternoon. Plenty of goals that's that's for sure as we'll touch on in the in the next couple of games. One for the statisticians definitely absolutely. The next game is Gillingham Town. Of course they were. The, the the miracle men were they they were the Lazarus of of the first division rising from a terrible start to go on an amazing run of form and they came up against Oldland Abertonians but um they were they were on the end of a footballing lesson Tom mm, they were and it was uh, similar to the the last game as I just touched on a couple of chaps each scoring twice so uh, yeah this was uh, as I say it was a theme on Saturday afternoon and the Abbots. Habits joined in a 4-1 win for them away at Gillingham, and uh, it was a cheeky backheel that set them on their way. Mason Davis uh, put them ahead after 32 minutes, uh, and then it was a penalty just prior to half time uh, from Harrison Kite, uh, doubling their advantage. So that put them put them in a good position going into into the break. Uh, Tom Jarvis did threaten a, a fight back uh, at the beginning of the second half, getting Gillingham on the board. But uh, yeah, it was it was Oldland who are very much in form uh, that that stormed to victory, and it was as I say. Kite and Davis both scoring uh, tw- uh, both scoring once more uh, to complete doubles of their own. And uh, yeah, a 4-1 win for Oldland away at Gillingham. Well, I've been looking for an opportunity to get Oldland Abertonians back onto the podcast um, uh, recently. And of course, this wonderful victory was a great opportunity to do that. We speak to Lee Linton, the assistant manager of Oldland, in one of the most enjoyable and insightful interviews that I think we've ever done actually on the uh, the podcast so this is one not just for the oldland fans but hopefully this is something that everybody will really really enjoy and actually um for those of you with peripheral hearing um you will also hear that it's it's not only lee who makes his debut uh, <clears throat> on the tool station western league podcast it's my wife sarah knockholds but anyway we kick things off by reflecting on that excellent run of form that Oldland have been on. They've won every game in 2023 and they made it another one at Gillingham. Uh, Yeah, we are on a very good run at the moment. Um, Just very similar to the beginning of the season as well. You know, we hit the ground running early on in the season. We had a little bit of a sticky patch, I would say. You know, a couple of losses came in, which does happen in a way. And then over Christmas, a lot of postponement on the games of icy pitches. And, you know, we've managed to keep the squad together in good shape and we've hit the ground running in 2023, which is excellent. Um, you beat Gillingham 4-1 at the weekend. Well, was it as routine as the scoreline suggests? I would say that Gillingham definitely were up for the game. You could see that they felt like they knew how to get in on us. But we were in control of the game for the whole 90 minutes. I don't feel once threatened that we were going to take a loss or a draw in the game. And I feel like we could have maybe put a few other chances to bed and killed the game off a bit earlier than what we did. The, the scoreline is definitely not flattering to us. I feel like it was definitely a game that 
was deserving of a 4-1 victory. Um, but yeah, they, I wouldn't say that Gillingham are a team that should be right at the bottom like they are either. You can see why they pulled out a few results like they have this season. So when we look back over your recent wins against the likes of Gillingham and Radstock, of course, Radstock have been in good form. And you beat yeah. FC Bristol, you've beaten Bocco, yeah. Hengrove. You, you know, you've had a yeah. good win away at Almondsbury and you yeah. beat Warminster as well. I mean, what do you put your good run of form down to? When you look back at our season last year, we had quite a lot of losses that should have been draws and quite a lot of draws that should have been wins. And we just spoke about how we got to be a little bit tougher to beat. You know, we've got to start turning those losses into draws and those draws into wins a bit more. And we've got to be a bit more robust at home. And we've got to start taking three points slash four points off of each team we play against. We spoke about togetherness and belief. There's no point in playing a season if there's no belief that you can win the league. And if you're not together within the squad, you're a fight and an uphill battle straight away. And I think one thing that we've really done well at this season is having every single player on the same page. I think we've got a really, really strong togetherness in the squad and around the club. Everyone wants to fight for each other. Everybody wants to try and claim the shirt. And you know yourself, when you're in a winning form, everyone just wants to be a part of that squad. One thing that we've really done well this season is teams that we've drew against, we've gone on and beat the second time around. Teams that we might have lost, like we lost to Hengrove, and Warminster earlier on in, in the kind of mid-season stage. And we've gone back and claimed those points back, whereas last season we might have struggled to reverse those points. And I do really, really feel that it's massive respect to our lads. There's no giving up in them. They're fighting for 98 minutes to get a result, and it doesn't matter which way it comes. They're just determined that we're not going to be beaten. And I think that togetherness and belief it's really got us to where we are at the moment this season. And where you are at the moment is fourth in the fourth. first division. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, do you think you can, can you can catch the teams ahead of you? Absolutely. I mean, we wouldn't be still playing the way we are and doing things how we're doing if we didn't feel that. I mean, I feel like on another season, with the points that we've got and the games that we've won, we would be sitting top. You know, I think we've got four games in hand on top and we're only 10 points behind I believe we've still got to play three teams above us we've got to play Briz twice we've got to play Nelsie we've got to play um, also we've got to play Wells which is this Wednesday and I feel like if we can get those wins against those teams or a draw here and there and really focus on grinding out these last 12-13 games I honestly feel like we can still go on and win it and I think that if, if I didn't believe that, how could we express that over to the lads and get them to keep going? Now, of course, if you do go on and win it, then obviously that puts you very much in line for promotion. But the landscape mm. that you'll be promoted into now looks very different to the one that we had assumed would be the case mm. for next season with the mm. collapse of the Western Peninsula League. I mean, it does. How's, you know, how's that news gone down at Oldland Abertonians? It's hard for me because one thing I, I don't like to comment on is stuff that's out of my control. So I feel like it is a shame that the structure has broken down. And I think a lot of clubs will feel the same, you know, it's a bit of a wounding situation. However, the club itself is in Oldland, is heading in the right direction and they want to push for bigger and better things than tall station, prem anyway. So at the end of the day, if we've got to go into that league and we've got to do all the travelling we've got to do, then that that's just what it is. And we're happy to take that on. You know, we, 
we don't look at it and go, oh, now do we really want to go up? No, of course we want to go up. And yeah, we'll do the travelling. We're, we're well backed by a very good chairman who's, you know, really upgrading the club and the structure around it. You know, we've, we've got backing by everybody in the community. So for us, it's still an ambition to get out of this league and go up into the next one. And then next season, the ambition would be the same, to go up out of that one. Well, I suppose we've got to take one game at a time. Of and your next, your next game is um, against Wells City. Now, they beat you earlier in the season. And notwithstanding everything you said about wanting to take points off of the teams uh, mm. above you, in, you know, in, your, in your sort of title tilt, um, that's going to be mm-hmm. a real test for you, isn't it? I feel like it's one of those games where it can go either way. You know, I think they're a very strong team. Well, they've shown that all season. They've been fairly consistent. You've got to tip your hats off to them, you know. And we went down there earlier on in the season when we was hitting not our, you know, we kind of came out a bit of good form. And they, they gave us, we gave them a good game. And, you know, I think 2 0, I'm not saying that it was a flattering scoreline because it wasn't, that's, you know, fair enough. But we also had missed chances in the game. And I don't feel like going into this game, we're, we're not thinking, oh my God, we've got to play well, just a really tough fixture. I think. We just take every game for what it is. It's, it's 90 minutes of football, and every team has to earn the right to gain three points. Wells got to come to us and earn the right again. You know, it's, it's a different 90 minutes, and I feel with the squad and the mentality that we've got in and around it at the moment, we're bang up for it. You know, I, I really do believe that we can take these points back off Wells. Because the next couple of games after that are crucial as well. I mean, I know, I suppose, the people listening to this will be thinking, well, every game for you is crucial at the moment. But, but you know, if you can get a result against Wells and then you face FC Bristol, and we know that on their day they are a very good side, and then you've very got another side, midweek yeah. game um, away at Wincanton Town, and, you know, the Jackal yeah. and Hyde side of the West yeah. League First Division, because actually on their day they're absolutely, you know, outstanding, but they, they've, yeah. they've certainly been having a few wobbles. I guess... If you don't take points from these three games, all of that good work is going to get undone. But if you can capitalise on those three matches, then you really will be putting significant pressure on the teams above you. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, it's one thing that we've been saying every week to the lads is every game at the moment for a club coming to play against us or the teams above us is a cup final. So every single team, doesn't matter where they are in the table, they're going to be wanting to beat us, to knock us off of our perch. So we're fully prepared for these games coming thick and fast. I think it suits us a little bit. It keeps us in a good rhythm, you know, and the lads got to take it for what it is. And they got to thrive off of games like this. If they can't thrive off of games like this, then they shouldn't really be playing football, you know. And every team in this, like, you can even look at the Radstock game. Radstock were in good form. Gillingham is, you know, pulled out good results. Every team we're coming up against, there's a reason that you can give for them teams being a banana skin against us. But we are still batting them away, and we're batting them away in good, good style a lot of the time. We played FC Bristol a couple of weeks back at their place, and you can really see why they're picking up results. They're, they're a great, great team on their day. But again, we dug in deep, we went to the end, and we got the result we needed. And, and that's what we have to do with these up-and-coming fixtures. They're, they're going to keep coming midweek Saturday, midweek Saturday, and... Every single one of our lads in the squad have to be prepared for a battle for 90 minutes. And whatever way it comes, we just get the result over the line. And if we can do that, we are in a really, really good place to get ourselves promoted out of this league. 
this is the first time we've spoken, Lee, on the um, on the yeah, podcast. And and as is my sort of customary final question with every new interview mm-hmm. I do, I think it's an, an interesting opportunity to get to know a few of the people that make the Tool Station Westerly what it is. So, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your footballing journey to the Oldland dugout? So, my footballing journey uh, from a youngster, I played academy football when I was young, and then I went into men's football quite early on from the age of 16. Um, I started playing around the tall station leagues. I played for local teams like Bitten, Yate. I played at Wootton Rovers under Nicky Tanner, Kingston with Glenn Smart. Um, and from the age of 25 slash 26, I played my last footballing season at that kind of level. Um, I stepped away from it for personal reasons. And also I was following a different path in my life as I also am a boxer, well, was was boxing as well. Um, I stepped away from it, and then a couple of seasons ago, I just kind of felt like I had that love back for the game, and I wanted to find my way back into football, not as a player as such, but more in a coaching role, because I felt like I had a lot to offer in the game. And um, I came across a few people from Oldland, and they said, you know, come on down and help us out with a little bit of, you know, this, that, and the other. See what, see what you can offer us. And from then, last season I was in the dugout is more like a third slash fourth body. And this season I feel like the chairman and also Darren Seeley, who's the manager at the moment, great guy. He's seen the potential in me and, and gave me the chance to step up to the plate and be assistant. And I've really thrived off that. And I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity. And I'm, I'm loving my football more now than what I ever have the role I, I absolutely love it and I just want to kick on and all I want is is for the lads to have a successful season and if I play a part in that then that means everything to me and my thanks to Lee for his time now one final game Tom in the first division and it's your side odd down and they were humbled by mm-hmm. new boys Shire Hampton they, they were absolutely and they were in good position at half time they were one up uh, Luke Bryan putting them ahead uh, added, in added time at the end of the first half in fact so uh, giving them a, a perfect fill up going into the second half and I think I'd build this last week as as Bryan uh, Bryan versus Bamford and it turned out to be Bryan versus Radford because it was uh, the other shy Hampton forward who managed to to get his uh, get his name on the score sheet on two occasions in the second half and obviously uh, helping shy Hampton complete the turnaround so uh, yeah good win for the Shirehampton in Bath, uh, 2-1 victory for them over Odd Down. Excellent stuff. Now, we'll look ahead to the games that are going to be played on Saturday, the 4th of March. Tom, what what fixture have you picked out in the Premier Division? I've, I've stolen it, I've stolen a march on you and I've gone for the biggie. It is Mousel versus Bridgewater. We touched on uh, Mousel's uh, big win at, at Buckland uh, last weekend. Obviously, they're con- continuing to rise up the division and uh, Bridgewater... As we know, I've been up, been up and about the top spot all season. So uh, yeah, these two meeting on Saturday, Mousel getting home advantage on this occasion. It's going to be uh, yeah, going to be a bit of a, a titanic clash, you'd imagine. So uh, yeah, really looking forward to seeing how uh, how this one plays out. Well, of course, as we all know, when you put two of the biggest teams in any division, whether it's the Premier League, mm-hmm. the Championship, you know, La Liga, doesn't matter. Sometimes those games can fizzle out. Well, I'll tell you a game that won't fizzle out in the Premier Division next weekend, and that is Helston Athletic against Barnstable Town. That's where my attention will be drawn. I think that will be against two very open teams. They love to play open football. They love to score a lot of go- 
a lot of goals, I think that would be an absolutely cracking tie. So um, plenty to choose from in the Premier Division next uh, next weekend. But what about the First Division, Tom? What game have you gone for there? It's another biggie. We've got another biggie. Uh, Nailsy and Tickenham versus Wells. Again, two teams towards the top of the, the league division. We are going to touch on... Um, Touch on uh, league tables in a sec, so uh, yeah, it'll, it'll um, magnify why this is such a big game. But two teams banging form, score plenty of goals. Probably, yeah, can't think of them letting in many, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, something's got to give in one of the, the in these games, and it's kind of what we want, isn't it? As we as we head towards the uh, the, the the finishing stages of the season, we want these big teams going up against each other with uh, with lots on the line. So that's what we've got this weekend. By by looks at a couple of uh, yeah, absolutely big, huge games to open open the uh, the month of March. Um, I think there's, I mean, there's a load of games in the first division that look really, really tasty. Oldland at home to FC Bristol. I think that'll be very, very competitive. Warminster Town against Brislington. I mean, we know how well Brislington are going at the mm. moment. Uh, but the one that attracts my eyes is not towards the top, but perhaps a little bit lower down, a bit towards the bottom of the uh, the first division. And that is Gillingham against Radstock Town. Can Radstock continue their good run of form. Can Gillingham continue their renaissance? Of course, they had a drawback at the weekend. They had a loss, but um, they've been doing very, very well of late. So uh, that, I think, will be a really interesting tie and be very interesting, perhaps an indication of where one of those sides, maybe both, but one, will end up later in this season. Now, Tom, we will take our attention to the league tables and we're going to kick off, as we always do, in the Premier Division. Can you take us through the runners and riders at the top of the Premier Division? Be my pleasure, yeah. So we have Soltash still leading the way. Uh, they've played 28, they've won 19 of those. They're on 63 points. So, uh, yeah, still still riding high. But, yeah, I think we've we've uh, we've touched on them a few times. Mausel, they're the, uh, they're the team in, on the charge, aren't they? They're in second spot. Three points behind Saltash. They've reached 60, uh, but they have three games in hand. Obviously, can't can't anticipate them. them uh, we can't, well, can't guarantee them winning all of those, but uh, if they did, obviously, they would have a pretty substantial lead atop the division. So, uh, yeah, they've obviously starting with a big game on the weekend. Uh, so uh, there's plenty plenty of that for them to play for, but they, uh, as I say, play 25 and they're on 60 points. So that's three games behind Saltash, three points behind. So you can... Kind of work out what's going on there. And then you've got Bridgewater in third, who obviously take on Mausel this weekend. Uh, they've played 26, and they're on 56 points. So, uh, yeah, they're they're going great guns. And then you've got a couple of teams also on 50 points, which I think is worth mentioning. Barnstable uh, on the rise. Uh, they've played 25 for their 50 points, and Buckland have played 27 for their 50. So, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's how the top five lie in the Premier Division. And if we look towards the bottom of the table, um, we can see that there is a little bit of daylight between... Ilfracombe in 16th and Sherbourne in 17th. Uh, Ilfracombe on 24 points, very close to Wellington and Torpoint above them. But Sherbourne, um, they've played 24. They're on 19 points, so there is a five-point gap. And then below them, we've got Cabri Heath. They've played 25 games. They're on 14 points. And Canesham uh, in danger of getting cut adrift at the bottom of the league, but Cadbury Heath still very much in their sights. And if they can win a couple of games, of course, then they could even start putting pressure on Sherbourne Town. But at the moment, Canesham have played 27 and they've got 12 points. What about the teams at the top of the first division? That first division race, Tom, is looking... It, well, it's really hotting up. 
it oh this is so tasty i yeah it's gonna be fascinating to see how it plays out isn't it nailsy and tickenham we must start there they're top they've played 33 matches uh, and they've got 78 points so that is yeah it's nearing two and a half points again not quite but uh yeah that's uh good they're going great guns aren't they 25 wins from their 33 very healthy goal difference of 65 so yeah nothing uh, nothing too untoward with the, the team sitting at the top. Uh, you've then got Brislington, who are, I think, the team that probably most most are, most are scared of at the moment. They are banging in goals left, right and centre. Uh, they're second. They've played 29, so that is four in hand on, on Nails Intercon. And they're four points behind. They're on 74. They're currently sit second. Uh, and then Wells, who obviously we just touched on, will be beating uh, Nails Intercon on the weekend. They've also only played 29, so that's four in hand on the side at the top as well and they're on 72 so that's two further back from Brislington six off the top so that's that's the top three that's probably the the three teams that are going to decide the uh, uh, the title uh, but you do have Oldland uh, Abertonians obviously we've had that uh, great interview with uh, previously uh, they've also played 29 so four and and on the leaders they're 65 so they're a little bit further back I think just because of the way the other sides are going at the moment, it's going to be tough for them to haul in all three of those. But but you, I mean, you never know. It's still still a plenty of plenty of games for them to to make a make a late season charge. But that's that's the top four. And then you've got Shirehampton. Uh, they're on 55 points uh, uh, in fifth. They've played 31 games. So uh, yeah, that's the uh, that's how the top of the, the table lies in the, in the first. Well, if that's as clear as mud, then so is the bottom <laughs> <laughs> of the first division. Um, Bishops Lydiard are in 22nd place. They've played 31 games. They've got 25 points. Almondsbury are in 21st, but they have played 34 games. That's three games more than Bishops Lydiard. They're on 26 points. That's only one point more. Then we've got Titherington Rocks. They've played 33 games. They've got 28 points. The bottom three is important because, as you will remember from the interview we did with John Paul, the Football Association National League System regulations say that three clubs are liable for relegation. Now, we don't know whether it will be one, two or three. For Titherington Rocks in 20th, played 33, got 28 points. They are one point behind Gillingham, who've played 30 on 29. It's very, very clustered at the bottom of the first division. And I think first division clubs, particularly given that the division has 22 sides, need to consider where they are at the moment because uh, next season the FA will be in a position to make a decision about how many teams will be relegated. A little bit depressing, but um, it's the truth. And uh, the other thing that's the truth is all the statistics, Tom, that we've been talking about in your excellent bulletin. Um, where can the listeners find that? Oh yes, that is on the uh, official uh, Tool Station League website. If you scroll down, it's a little bit, it's uh, halfway down on the left-hand side. Uh, you can click on the, the bulletin there and it will take you to the most recent um, broadcast, which comes out every week. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the bulletin and that all, as you say, looks at the stats and whatnot for the, the week uh, week just gone and also looks ahead to, to the upcoming fixtures and, and give you details on the tables and things like that. So that's, that's out every week. Excellent stuff. Tom, thank you so much for your time. Uh, as always, and I look forward to catching up with you on next week's Tool Station Western League podcast. <laughs>